Mother's Day. Everybody, this is my wife, never, Nancy. Everyone say, hey, Nancy. She is an incredible mom. She's an amazing disciple. She came to me a few weeks ago, months ago, and said, hey, I feel like God's put something in my heart. Can I preach on Mother's Day? To which I said, heaven yes. We would love to hear from you. She has been praying, prepping. It is going to be good. I'm excited to hear it. I hope you're excited to hear it. Could you join me? Could you stand to your feet and give a crazy South Florida welcome to Nancy Lash as she brings the word? Thank you. He said, do you want me to intro you? I said, yeah, but don't do anything crazy. So you guys can take your seat. That wasn't too crazy, so, you know, he, he did a good job. That was his not crazy, he said. Um, good morning. Like Pastor John said, I am Nancy. Uh, I am a mom, so happy Mother's Day to all the moms. I've got two kids. I have an almost five-year-old, which is crazy, and I have an almost two-year-old. Shout out to all the moms. I have to give a special shout out to a few people. My mother-in-law is here. Jamie Lash is incredible. I am doubly blessed because my mama is amazing. She's at home with my baby, which is so sacrificial and amazing. So shout out to Abuela. Uh, shout out to Nana. Shout out to our micro church. They have been so encouraging and texting me all week and this morning. So thanks, everybody. And the hospitality team. I had to give a shout out to the in-person hospitality team and the virtual hospitality team. I coordinate those. It's also a volunteer plug. If you want to volunteer with the hospitality team, let me know. Um, but I'm excited to share today. I'm going to be talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I love Mary. She is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Um, I, I just love her perspective on Jesus. I love thinking of Jesus as having a mom and needing a mom. And um, that's one thing I love about the Catholic Church, right? You walk into a Catholic Church and you see paintings of Mary and murals and stained glass, and it's beautiful. However, they teach that Mary was perfect and sinless. That's the thought there. And that's not necessarily exactly from Scripture, but I'm okay with that because I find Mary to be so incredibly relatable. So I'm like, it's okay if she's not perfect. I think she was incredible. And maybe if you know me personality-wise, I'm not like Mary, but I love the perspective that she brings. I love that she's a mom. And I think that hopefully everybody today can walk away with some of the tools that Mary used to overcome hardships in our life, because we all go through hardships, right? Am I, am I right there? Um, so you guys ready? Awesome. I'm ready. I'm excited. So stand to your feet. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2 this morning. If you've got your Bible, you can open to Luke chapter 2. If you're not, if you don't have your Bible, we've got it on the screen. Thank you, Lisa. So I think I'm supposed to insert like a sports something there, but I don't, I don't really have anything, so we're just going to read the text. <laughs> Everyone's like, no, please. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 41, so we're going to start here. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother didn't know it, but supposing him to have been with the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was 
that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. His mother saw him and said, son, what have you, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? This is like teenage Jesus. Why were you looking for me, mom? I don't know that he said it like that. I just like to think he did. He probably didn't. Anyway, uh, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. I'm going to pray, and you guys can take a seat. Lord, you're incredible and so gracious and so faithful. We love you. I'm praying that whatever you have for this group today would be received. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Um, Anyone know what these are? If you're in the room, if you're online, there's, maybe you can zoom in. I don't know. Anyone know what these are? AirPods. This is actually, these aren't AirPods. This is an AirPod case. This is just the case. Um, is any, does anyone out there struggle with forgetting? Maybe like forgetting. Thank you, the two people that are like me. Maybe forgetting to, I see like some spouses like raising their spouses. Uh, maybe uh, that's me in the relationship, right? I forget to put things back. John, um, I, you know, I would say like I'm over all of the house chores and everything, but John is incredibly good at putting things back where they belong. He's actually very particular. When we first got married, I was like, I thought the key holder was like a novel idea. Like, oh my goodness, you put their keys there and you know where they are every time you need them. That's crazy. So Pastor John is really good. He's super responsible. He had um, AirPods and he loved them. I got them for him for a gift and he was so thankful and always telling me how much he loved his AirPods. And he said, do you want me to get you some? I love my AirPods. I think you'd like them. And I said, no, don't buy them for me. If you buy them for me, I will lose them. I I spoke it into existence. This is what happened. Um, So he bought me the AirPods and I had them for like a few weeks and I loved them. They were pretty awesome were. And um, I had a really bad habit. I'd take them for a run. I'd go jogging, jogging, not running. I went jogging and I would um, take them. I'd get home, take off my shoes, take off the AirPods, and I'd leave them right by the door on the table. And he saw me do this a few times. And he said, Nancy, you can't forget to put them back in the case. You always got to take them off, put them in the case, take them off, put them in the case. And um, anyway, you know, I, I didn't do that. And so the next day, I went out for a run again, and I go to grab the AirPods, and I realized they're not on the table. So I said, let me find the case. They're probably in the case. So I found the case. They weren't in there. I used the find. Everyone, every time I tell this story, people say, did you use the find your phone feature? I used it. Didn't work. They were gone. I spent like the next hour looking for them. This is not a redemptive story. I never found the AirPods. They are gone. Either my dog ate them because R.I.P. Bailey, very likely scenario, or my kids threw them in the garbage. That's also, we've got toddlers, I'm like practical, that's probably what happened, but I never found them. This is, like I said, there's no solution here. Um, But if you have AirPods and you're like judging me and thinking, Nancy, forgetting to put your AirPods in the case, like that's pretty bad. It's not as bad as losing the Messiah. Mary, that's my first point. Mary forgot God. I told you she's real relatable, Mary. We don't get this, but my first point is Mary forgot God. Mother's Day shout out right here. You know, like moms, we have had a rough 
year. I mean, I know everyone, yeah, it's been hard, but moms especially, that's why I was like, I want to speak. I think moms need like extra encouragement this year. Uh, if you have ever left your kids at the park or been late to pick them up from school or late to pick them up from kids' church, shout out to Andrea Gregg serving with the kids' ministry. Mary left the Messiah behind. Everyone was traveling home from celebrating Passover in Jerusalem. They traveled one day's journey. She realized he wasn't there. They went back, and they had to search for him. For three days, Mary had no idea where her son was. That's plenty of time for her to retrace her steps and maybe think about where he could be, maybe to wonder if he was safe, maybe to question if she let God down. When I lost the AirPods, I kept thinking, how am I going to tell John? And it wasn't really he's going to be upset. It was more so pride, right? How, do I, how am I going to admit to him that I lost these AirPods? And I kept replaying that in my mind. And I imagine Mary was probably replaying thoughts in her mind as she was searching for Jesus. Maybe she thought back to when Gabriel came to her and announced to her that she was going to become pregnant. And Luke 1, it said, This rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God, it says later. Bendita eres tú entre todas las mujeres. En español, if you've said the rosary ever, you know, I think we've all been in the Catholic Church at one point. Um, I don't think that Mary felt very blessed or favored in that moment. Have you forgotten God? Maybe not physically, right? We never walked with him. He wasn't our kid that we lost. But maybe you have a group of friends that you met at church and you guys were going to Bible study together and memorizing scripture together and uh, fasting together and praying together and maybe you sat down recently with them in conversation and thought, where is God in this conversation? Maybe with your kids, you had every intention, right, to like raise little disciples who are memorizing scripture and they're going to church and you take a look at their cell phone, their device, and you look at what they're saying or what they're doing and maybe think, where is God in their life? Or maybe their finances. I'm going to tithe when I get that raise, when I get that bonus, when I make X amount of money, I'm going to be so incredibly generous and... Now you're looking at your finances and wondering where God fits in. Where is God? You see, God didn't lose us along the way. He didn't leave us. He didn't forget us. We have forgotten him. And I'm not here to make you feel bad. I really am preaching to myself here because I've been there. And guess what? Mary, the mother of Jesus, she's been there in forgetting God, Mary takes us to point number two. Mary felt anxious. Mary felt anxious. Verse 48 says this. His mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I sought you anxiously. And there are different type of, types of anxiety, right? I think Mary, um, what she was feeling here was actually a natural response. Anxiety can be a natural response to a perceived threat. This is a natural reaction. Everyone at some point is going to deal with anxious thoughts. The question is, what do we do when we feel anxious? So um, believe it or not, if you don't know me, you're going to maybe be surprised. Everyone who does know me is like, yeah, of course, hold on, I need water. 
how do you do that so smoothly? I'm like parched. Uh, anyway, I'm a pretty high-strung person. No, none of my friends would describe me as like relaxed or cool or calm. Um, and I, you know, part of that is my personality, right? If you're into the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 8. The title for that one is like The Challenger. And my sister got me into the Enneagram and I was in denial for so long and I read it and I was like, okay, they're not wrong. This is pretty accurate. But uh, part of that is my personality, how God wired me. Some of that is also just um, my own struggle, my own um, way of, of anxious living, of behaviors that I've kind of lived out for so long. And um, I knew I really needed help with my anxiety right after I had Leah, my almost five-year-old. Um, again, part of this I just thought was my personality and um, having kids, big life decisions, having kids, getting married, moving, getting a new job. These are typically stress-inducing activities. And so I just kind of thought this was normal and I took everything in stride, at least I tried to. And um, I realized I wasn't okay, that this wasn't kind of normal or, I don't know, I, I knew I needed help. And the good news, this is a redemptive story. Uh, I've made a lot of progress. I have a big support system. I have a lot of help. Um, but I share this story because I think it's assumed by some that Christians are never going to feel anxious or they're never going to feel stressed or they should never be worried and um, I remember thinking that I shouldn't, I shouldn't be worried about this. I shouldn't be stressed about this. This shouldn't bother me as much as I did. And those thoughts are so not helpful in dealing with anxiety. Matthew 6 puts it like this. It's verse 34. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This passage isn't saying we're not going to have, don't worry about tomorrow. The problems aren't going to be there. And it doesn't say, don't worry about tomorrow, uh, you know, I'm going to take care of it. It actually says, don't worry about tomorrow because you have too many problems to deal with today's issues and tomorrow's issues. It's too much for you to handle. You can't do that. Focus on what's in front of you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says it like this, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I think about Mary, and I think, what did she do? How did Mary handle her anxious thoughts? How did she deal with this? I think Mary lived out Philippians 4. I think she put this into practice. I think this is what she did when she came into situations like this. This word supplication, it's not something we use, you know, every day, but it's to ask or to beg earnestly and humbly. And I think um, that's exactly what Mary did. She went directly to God. She went directly to Jesus and said, son, why have you done this? She didn't hold back. She went directly to him. You know what else I noticed? Jesus didn't give her a direct answer to her question. In typical Jesus format, he answered her question with more questions. And it actually says that they didn't even understand what he said to them. They, were, they left Jerusalem and were kind of confused. To be clear, what Philippians 4 does not tell us is make your request known to God and he will give you the answers that you're looking for 
Or make your request known to God and he's going to take away whatever it is that you're worried about. And that's really hard for me. You're telling me I'm supposed to be vulnerable. I'm supposed to address my anxiety head on. I'm supposed to go to God and tell him all of these things that are upset and he may not take it away. Maybe. What it does say is he will give us his peace. I think so often we keep our worry and our stress to ourselves, and in overthinking things, we actually avoid moving past it. It's a form of denial. We deny that we're upset. We deny that we're sad. We deny that we're overwhelmed. And those thoughts, they're so unhealthy for us. God doesn't tell us not to worry because he's angry with us or because he's telling us what to do. He's telling us not to worry because those thought patterns, they don't benefit us. They're not helpful. They don't serve us. I was at a Bible study once, and um, this Bible study, they saved room at the end to pray for everyone, and it was really nice. And so um, I was on my way to Bible study after hanging out with some friends. I'd been hanging out with friends. I'd go to the Bible study. And um, so they come around at the end of the Bible study. I stayed for prayer. And they, they were like very calm people. And so they come up to me and they close their eyes. And they said, is there anyone uh, you need to forgive? someone's name immediately came to mind. I, prior to this, I was hanging out with friends and I said something. I was talking to somebody about what I did and a girl in the group made a comment teasing me. It wasn't bullying. It was like an in-passing comment, but it really upset me. It really hurt my feelings. And it was in the middle of conversation, so I didn't stop her or say anything. It, It wasn't, you know, anything that I really took note of. But in the moment, Holy Spirit put it on my heart and kind of let me know that I had unforgiveness there. So he asked me, is there anyone you need to forgive? And I did one of these. No, 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 I'm good. Uh, That's lying, by the way. If someone asks you how you're doing and you're not doing well, and you say, I'm good, I'm good, that's lying. So anyway, I lied. And uh, he actually came back and said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, yeah, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. So they continued, they kind of went on with the prayer. It was like very generic, bless Nancy, help her to have a good evening. Left, done, pack up my stuff, I go, I get in my car and I start driving away and I felt this heaviness. And I mean, I was almost shaking. It felt like I was really anxious, like nervous. And I knew I needed to go back and I needed to kind of resolve this. And so I was still in the neighborhood. I tur- this is a true story. I turn around. I go back to the, uh, to the Bible study, and I walk in. At this point, I'm crying. So they're like, oh, my goodness, what is wrong? Didn't you just leave? You're back now. So I come back, and I just open up and tell them all of this. You asked me if I needed to forgive someone, and I said, no, but I do. And it was this girl at dinner, and, you know, I'm, like, telling this whole sob story. And then I started, like, prefacing it. But it's not a big deal, and she didn't even mean to. She wasn't being that rude, and she doesn't even know what she said. But it really upset me, and here I am crying. And they were real patient and kind of let me do my thing. And then they stopped, and they said, hey, If it bothers you, it bothers God. And that for years has stuck with me. You don't need to explain how you're feeling. You don't need to give excuses to God. You don't need to deny to God how you're feeling or what you're going through. If it bothers you, it bothers him. And he wants you to go to him. It's natural to want to avoid difficult situations, but that's not what Mary does. 
She takes the first step in overcoming her anxious thoughts and that she goes directly to Jesus. She makes it known to God, but that's not all that she did. If we keep reading, she did something else too. Verse 50 says this, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They were confused. Remember, they're leaving Jerusalem and they're like, what is he saying? Uh, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But Mary kept all these things in her heart. Point number three is this. Mary remembered. Water break, sorry. Really, how do you do that? (laughs) Mary remembered, okay. Uh, This phrase, keep things in, um, she kept these things in her heart. It means just that. It just means remembering. It means actively not forgetting. And what I love about Mary is this is a practiced thing that she did. This is something she do, she'd done in the past, keeping things in her heart. This is a learned behavior. This was not the first time Mary experienced a difficult situation. If we think back on her life, she was a pregnant teen. Uh, she gave birth to her son in a manger. She, uh, they, you know, when he was a baby, they had to flee and they escaped to Egypt. After that, um, Now she's lost her son, right? She's lost the Messiah. And yet somehow I don't think Mary was known as being an anxious person. I don't think this is something that really marked her. And so I think of Mary and I think how? How did she face all of these difficult situations? How did she go through so many hardships? And how did she overcome? How did she push past that and keep going? Mary pondered these things in her heart. Let's read back to earlier in chapter 2. This phrase is actually repeated there, and I think it's such a beautiful example. So this is verse 8. It says, Now they were in the same country, the shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock. By the way, if this sounds familiar, it's the Christmas story. This is like the Christmas story we're reading right now. Part of, it, part of it at least, in the fields they were keeping, the shepherds they were keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them in glory. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes in a manger, and suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Twelve years prior to Mary forgetting Jesus in Jerusalem, shepherds came to Mary and her newborn baby and told her these seemingly crazy things. I don't know about you moms, but when I had my babies, I was very particular who came over, who saw them, who held them, who took pictures, when they were posted on social media. We're very particular. And here we read that the first people to visit the Messiah were a group of filthy men who had been sleeping outside with animals, and they come running to Mary, and they start telling her these unbelievable things. An angel came to us, Mary, and the 
this bright light was there and then more angels and Mary, they told us about your baby, the Messiah. He's our savior, Mary, your baby, your baby. And verse, later we read verse 19, Mary kept all of these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. Later we know that the wise men came and brought expensive gifts to Jesus. And then we read about Simeon who recognized Jesus as the Messiah as an infant, only about eight days old. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and pondered them. We don't always understand what God is doing and that's okay. I don't think Mary necessarily did either. Most of sin is forgetting God, forgetting who he is, forgetting what he has said, forgetting what he has done. In studying this verse, Mary kept these things in her heart. Other versions use different words. Some say Mary kept, Mary preserved, Mary stored, or Mary pondered. And I love this because it doesn't mean that she held on to the anxious thoughts and she thought about it over and over and over again. That's anxiety, by the way, this inability to let go of certain thought patterns. Mary didn't hold on to her anxiety. She learned to remove the bad and hold on to the good. This is a very mature response, and it takes practice. If you're like me, this sometimes takes rewiring of ways we've been thinking our entire lives. Maybe you're struggling with relationships today or your finances or moms. Maybe it's parenting. Remember. Remember what God said. Remember what God put on your heart. Remember all of those times that God provided for you. Remember all of the times that he came through financially. Remember what scripture says. So maybe you're thinking, okay, Nancy, I get it. Mary, yeah, she was one of us. She's like working through stuff just like me and you. But I have a really hard time remembering. I've tried that, and then I forget, and then I remember again, and then I forget, and then I remember again, and then I forget, and I keep forgetting. How do I overcome what I'm facing? Most of us struggle to remember. We're prone to forget God's goodness, and we tend to focus on the bad, and we give in to anxiety, and we give in to worry but the good news of the gospel is this, when we forget God, he remembers us. Hebrews 12 says it like this, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What is the joy? What are they referring to there? That's us. That's us. You. God remembered you. And remembering you made all of the suffering and all of the pain and all of the agony and all of the separation of God worth it. You are worth it. Our success in life is not measured in our ability to remember. It's measured in our ability to remember that God remembered us. The worship team is up now. We're going to close in a song of worship. And Pastor John is going to come up in a minute to wrap things up. But I wanted to invite you to to whatever God is asking you to do. We always, when we gather, we always want to ask that, God, what is it that you're saying to me? What are you wanting me to do about this? Mary talked to God. Maybe that's your first step, taking it to him. Have you talked to God about your thought life, about what's keeping you up, about what makes you anxious? He wants to hear from you. The second thing you could do is talk to someone. 
We have microchurch leaders here who are going to come up, and uh, some of our leaders can pray for you. Feel free to share with them anything that's going on. We can agree with you in prayer, and if necessary, decide maybe some next steps. Maybe that's uh, getting baptized, going all in with Jesus and deciding you're really wanting to surrender to him. Maybe that's talking to a counselor, seeing a doctor, taking a next step in that direction. Ask God. See what he wants you to do. See how he wants you to respond. And friends, know that you don't have to do it alone. One more time. Thank you, Nancy. Everyone's waiting there. Can we clap? You can clap. You can clap. Hey, why don't you stand with me if you're here in the room, if you're watching online, you're welcome to join as well. We're going to close in a final song of worship. If we could get our prayer partners up here, Nance, if you want to stay up here as well, be one of those prayer partners, that would be awesome. If Jesus is working in your heart, this is a great moment to respond. Maybe you realize, you know, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus. I think I've lost God. Maybe at one point you had a vibrant relationship with God and you're not quite sure what happened with that. Here's the great news. You could make that shift right now. You could make that shift this morning. If you're online, you could write there, request prayer. You could text Jesus to the number on the screen. If you're in the room, you could do the same. But as soon as we start to sing, Kayla and the team are going to lead us in this final chorus. The altars are open. Why don't you come?